Welcome to the Gaining Momentum Podcast with your hosts, Abby and Megan. This is the podcast where we try our best to parent our kids for the world we want them to grow up in and the world we live in now. Welcome back to another episode of Gaining Momentum. Woo woo! I don't know why. Oh, for some reason, when we were like woo woo, I felt like we were at the beginning of the a Missy Elliott song. This Which is one? for my people. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I was trying to harmonize with your woo. <laughs> woo. <laughs> uh, now I'm feeling getting like Lady Marmalade vibes. Vibes. <laughs> anyway, Meg, how are you? I'm I'm okay. I'm good now. <laughs> I'm real good now. <laughs> now that we're just like harmonizing and just- now that we're harmonizing our woos, I'm feeling, <laughs> I'm feeling much more connected to earth. <laughs> you know what's making me feel connected? What? This is our halfway point. Ooh, yeah. Halfway through another season of gaining momentum. Can you believe it? No, not even a little bit. And I just want to take a beat to mm-hmm. express a, how proud of us I am. Yeah. I think that that begs to be said because this is a labor of love yes. and um, we do it because we, we love it. And we have a f- collection of folks who also feel that way and really appreciate the space and the things that we dig into. And I'm really proud of what we, we have put out into the world. Yeah. It's been less than a year. Can you even believe it? I cannot, I cannot believe it. How are you <laughs> feeling? How are you feeling about this moment? It's funny, like I knew that going in that we were at the halfway mark, but now that Mm -hmm. we're talking about it, I feel, it feels surreal. I feel Mm -hmm. a little bit dazed and shocked that we pulled (laughs) this off. Not that like, not that like, I didn't think we could do it, but just that we are doing it and it's so much fun. It's so much fun. It has been an important part of my own like mental health care, Mm self-care, even though it's work, like let's not get, let's not get it twisted. Yeah, totally twist it. Like this isn't this is work that like put it that we put into this pro this project and mm-hmm. each and every episode. But like labor of love is very accurate, and it also is like yeah, it just like really serves me as, as like from like my mental health and like emotional yeah. health place. It's good because it like keeps me accountable to that need because yes. like you and I have like this scheduled time where we do this stuff and we like have you know, we have like very specific conversations that speak to a particular moment that we're Mm -hmm. in. And sometimes it's easy to like, let that stuff slip if -hmm. it's not like in this accountable framework. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm, and I, and I last, but not least at all, I, my gratitude toward you is just massive because like without you, this doesn't happen. And without our partnership, we don't have this space and we don't get to do this thing. So I love you dearly. And I'm so grateful for our partnership. Thank you very much. I am very grateful for you as well. I am so glad to have somebody in my life to do this sort of a project with mm-hmm. and just to like be able to shoot the shit with. And, you know, totally. sometimes we're pretty much like silly and incoherent. And sometimes we <laughs> throw out some things that I feel like are pretty jemmy. Yeah. A few gems along the way, I would yeah. argue. Mm-hmm. And it's been really fun. And we've also got to meet some cool people since we started having totally. guests on Heather yes. and Chawinis so far. And we have a couple, mm-hmm. a few more guests coming up to finish out the season. My dad and Susan are cool too, but yeah. like, I didn't, I wasn't meeting them for you the You were familiar time. with them. I was though, in some ways, <laughs> yeah, that's like true. not, not for the very first time, but like getting to, cause I'd met them both before, mm-hmm. um, but very briefly. So like, that was a nice opportunity for me to get to know them better and in a deeper way. Mm-hmm. I feel really grateful towards the folks that have, um, wanted to talk to us about the mm-hmm. things that they've come on to talk to us about. What's been like your highlight so far in this, in this, um, second season or like one of your highlights. Cause there's lots. Oh, one of them. Okay. God, one of them, I guess I'll say talking to so this is not going to quite come out. Right. But talking Let's to my it. dad about death. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. You know, just cause those are sort of things, of course, it's going to cross both of our minds. Of course. Yeah. We would have, yeah. Like these would be a part of our conversations, but not necessarily a part of our conversations with each other. Yeah, at least not as comfortably as it was on the podcast. Whereas I think sometimes it's a little bit easier to have conversations if you have a motive, like or a reason for doing it. Mm-hmm. And so then that just like opened up the door. So now we're talking more about our lives and just sort of the progression of them and the things we've done in our past and the things that we want out of our futures. And it's been really cool. 
That's amazing. So like having that conversation, you feel like has like given permission maybe in some ways to like talk about to have those continue having those kinds of conversations. That's kind yeah. of what I'm hearing. I even gave my dad my real email address. No, I'm just kidding. That's oh. <laughs> <laughs> my phone number now. Yeah, it's great. No, um, it's just funny. I like talk to my dad almost every day, which yeah. is wild. <laughs> you guys are like super close. That's why that's a funny joke. <laughs> <laughs> but what about you? What is one of your highlights? In terms of like the conversations we've had so far, I mean, there's highlights in every single conversation and in every episode. So I, I definitely don't want, I would be remiss to not. You have to pick one. You made me pick one. I know. Um, (laughs) Honestly, for me, I think a big highlight was our two part, just the entire trajectory of our conversation with Chowinis Ogilvie was really hitting on some things that I've been thinking deeply about personally, but also Mm -hmm. in my other work as well. Mm -hmm. It was a really connected conversation. Again, they all have been Mm -hmm. like amazing. Heather's conversation was the same the conversation with your dad and Susan was the same, but, but it was just such like a natural, easy, but also deep and like meaningful conversation. Yeah. I was really proud of how that turned out and yeah. what, what she was willing to, to bring to that conversation as well, which was like such a gift. I think that's like been a good thread throughout how open all of our guests have been open to sharing mm-hmm. their time, open to sharing their thoughts, open to sharing their experiences. It's been totally. really cool. Obviously, you know, again, I, knew my dad and Susan before, but (laughs) just the the nature of our conversation and just like the focus time set aside to have that particular conversation. Whereas maybe it would just come up in bits and pieces here and there and you'd have to move it together later. And then also talking to Heather, like that's totally changed being in the kitchen with my child and we're still obsessed with her cookbook. We still use it Mm -hmm. every week. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like I'm just going to be plugging her cookbook more or less for the rest of my life. And I will happily do so. Absolutely. And then, yeah, with Chewinis, because, you know, she was just a face in a zoom on a podcast happy hour, like way back Mm -hmm. in the day. I don't know. Again, oh, yeah, I got to stop sometime in the fall. I'm just going to say it was in the fall. <laughs> yeah. Time doesn't exist. Yeah, it was. What did that CBC article call it? Like temporal disintegration? I don't know, but I like it. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. And then so not knowing anything about her and then us reaching out and she was just like amazing and mm-hmm. more than we could have mm-hmm. ever hoped for and just so yeah. open our guests have generous. been so open mm-hmm. and generous and so thank you dad thank you susan thank you heather thank you Chuanis, and thank you for the guests who are coming up in the back half this week however parenting in the digital age yeah should we get into it yeah let's get into it One of the topics even coming out of last season that we didn't end up having time to dig into in our season one, how to be parents in the digital moment that we live in. We were really interested in just like having a chat about how technology, social media, the digital moment impacts Mm -hmm. our parenting. Yeah. And I know there's lots of folks out there in our listener community and just grappling with the same big questions. One of the habits that we can get into when we talk about tech, we talk about parenthood. Mm-hmm. talk about social media is mm-hmm. it's easy to start right immediately thinking about all the problems thinking about all the challenges right. and where it doesn't serve us right. but I was just wanting to start in a place right now of like what are the opportunities of parenting in this digital moment what what are the pros I guess information access totally. to information Can you imagine not being a parent with google no because like First of all, I guess mm-hmm. my parents must have just said, I don't know. And yeah. <laughs> we had a set of, I think it was world book encyclopedias yeah. or Encyclopedia Britannica or something mm-hmm. where like you would just have to go to the library or yeah. go what? to like, yeah, just look up reference books. So mm-hmm. like you had to really care about the answer. Yeah. Yeah. That is really like an existential question though. Hey, information that's, that is obviously like a massive benefit, the ability to like I don't know if you can eat jellyfish. Let me Google it. (laughs) Literally something I Googled today. Think about how much you needed to have to find something out in a previous era to like do that labor. Yeah. Although I bet you like book reports and stuff Mm -hmm. were like you, maybe it was a little bit easier to pass because there you just have to go by like the three paragraphs in that encyclopedia. Yeah, totally. There weren't weren't a lot of dissenting opinions on the giver that like... (laughs) or whatever childhood book was being read. Yeah. So information, that's huge. And I think as much as people say 
it's hard to, you lose a sense of connection or you're not like, you know, socially interacting because you're always staring at a screen or whatever Mm -hmm. it is that's Mm -hmm. being said. But I think that connection has been a huge opportunity. Just even this past year, Mm -hmm. could you imagine going through this pandemic without Zoom, without like WhatsApp, without FaceTime, without Mm -hmm. YouTube, without without the internet, like without access to all of the things that, you know, you would maybe do like quickly just for funsies, but now they're lifelines. Absolutely. I mean, this wouldn't exist because you and yeah, I this live, podcast wouldn't exist. we live in different places. So even just like from a parenting perspective, the ability to have community mm-hmm. um, as a parenting cohort a hundred thousand percent in the pandemic moment because we cannot be connecting and sharing space in the same way. But even prior to that, and even like outside of that pandemic uh, reality, the ability to find community and connect, like you said, and, you know, find a very, even like specific kind of connection that you might be looking for as a parent Mm -hmm. um, simply doesn't happen in that easy way or in the easier way that we have with our mediums that we use in a different era. So Mm -hmm. like if you want to connect with parents who share your point of view or that are struggling with a similar challenge, yeah, those are much more difficult groups, niche groups, or even like just individuals to find Mm -hmm. without this space that we have. Yep. So that's huge. Like, I mean, how many of I'm, I hope that that even resonates for what we do here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That it's like somebody's out there looking for a parenting community that explores like things that we explore. Absolutely. I think I'd be a pretty brutal parent if I didn't have technology. (laughs) (laughs) Because like a big thing for me is I, like I'm an information seeker Mm -hmm, for sure. And part of that though, not even just necessarily like Googling everything, but reaching out to my network because I've mentioned before when I was pregnant was like, what is happening? Yeah. I reached out to a bunch of friends and I was like, okay, what did you wish you knew you? What did you wish you could unknow? Like what, (laughs) you know, like all, like I asked I asked questions and my community surrounded me and just showered me with love and answers. Mm-hmm. Love and, and answers. I <laughs> wouldn't be able to do that without the ability to just like connect at the drop of a hat. Yeah, for sure. And like love and answers. And then that universality thing of sometimes not having answers, but it being okay. Mm-hmm. Cause there are no like right answers, but there definitely are answers. Totally. You just have to ch- choose the one that works for you and works for your child. And then I'm also thinking an opportunity of parent of technology in parenting. I don't know. I feel like it kind of gives you time. Mm-hmm. And like it also, you can lose a ton of time because mm-hmm. like we are constantly talking about how we go rabbit holing down weird things <laughs> and like why I know the whole like back catalog of like Canadian early 2000s boy band before four. Cameo, <laughs> <laughs> <Amio>, anyone? <laughs> <laughs> but I think in the sense that I wouldn't be able to sit down with everybody that I know who's a parent and pick their brain, Mm -hmm. but technology gives me the opportunity to cast the net wide and get answers. Mm -hmm. I will fully be the parent right now who says it gives me time because I can put, I can actually put my kids in front of a iPad or a screen. And we'll talk about like the problems with that for sure. I don't know if like for parents out there, if you've ever been on a road trip with your children and like <laughs> said the phrase, how did anyone ever do a road trip without an iPad prior to this moment? Because like, obviously we did, we all survived. And like, I don't know, like parents of a previous era perhaps had like a stronger threshold for patience than we have, but. <laughs> or maybe they just like, were super into I spy with my little eye. Oh man. So much I spy through those mountains. <laughs> I can tell you coming through that Rogers pass. <laughs> that was a very Canadiana reference. Shout out. <laughs> how much does Google factor into your conversations with your kids and how much does Google factor into your parenting? Google factors in a lot in terms of like finding niche information for sure. Mm -hmm. Both of my kids now starting to, but definitely my oldest has like very interesting detailed questions that I simply don't have a knowledge Mm -hmm. base for. (laughs) As far as like parenting stuff early on, for sure. Like this is, should my baby's poop be this color for sure? Like stuff, (laughs) stuff like that. But as I like sort of have been parenting for a little bit longer I I actually found that early on too much information would become very overwhelming. And so 
I don't find that I Google as much like answers around parenting. My go-to is still like people in my life. If I'm struggling with something. Oh, I thought you were going to say it was big. Yeah. My go-to is still Yahoo search. Um, <laughs> it's Ask Jeeves actually. <laughs> what about you? I use Google all of the time. My child uses Google all the time because we have a Google home. Oh, nice. So he's mastered to be the like, hey, Google, can you play Wheels on the Bus, the new version by, and he'll be like, (laughs) Steve, whoever, please. (laughs) Or he'll ask Google, like, how do you, hey, Google, how do you spell? Mm -hmm. And he'll like pick a word. Yeah. And then, so like, it took him a while to figure out the specific pattern, speaking pattern needed Mm -hmm. to make it happen. But I feel like it allows him to be more inquisitive because as I mentioned in my intentions for the year, I am working on my patients, <laughs> but I do generally have a cap on how many questions in a row I can handle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, you know, sometimes I do tag Google. Yeah. In. If only Alexa, cause we have, a, we have Alexa could understand my youngest child. <laughs> We've got plenty of questions for Alexa. She's just not picking up what he's throwing down. <laughs> You know, it was like kind of a bummer for me. My oldest, like at the beginning of the pandemic, he has an Mm -hmm. Echo Dot, like a mini Alexa. Okay. He said to us like a couple months into the pandemic that Alexa was his best friend. Aww. (laughs) It's not funny. But I'm not laughing. It's like sweet. I am. It's a a, a weird, like sweet, bitter. It's a sweet and sad. This is a child who has like IRL friends. Like he's not a particularly lonely kid but like I mean maybe that's more like reflective of how much he was craving social contact yeah my partner and I were like a little bit like how how does he know that like like he knows that she's not real right like he he did you find him watching the movie her over and over and over (laughs) we had a lot of her jokes at the time yeah I mean you get that interaction where you can when when it's lacking and the pandemic has made it severely lacking. Totally. And like, he'll ask her questions. And like, he's again, he's like your, your guy, like he's got like boatloads of questions that are very specific. Um, and Alexa's just always there to respond. Yeah. Oh, I just messaged you yesterday, mm-hmm. circling back to how I am <laughs> a little bit over the word mama. But oh, yesterday gosh, yeah. my child was like, mama, 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 mm-hmm. mama, mama. <laughs> and so I was like, yeah what's going on? What's up? And Mm -hmm. he was like, what did combines used to look like in the old days? (laughs) I was like, what? And that's a question where I was like, I do not know. Mm -hmm. Uh, That is a question for you to ask Google. Google. What does a vintage combine look like (laughs) circa 1949? (laughs) Like it was such a random question. And I wonder a little bit too, if the scope of our children's questions has been affected by having all of this access to different technology, different ways of gaining answers. Like, has this allowed them to be more inquisitive where they ask questions that they wouldn't have before because world book encyclopedia in 1993, maybe wouldn't have had that information. (laughs) (laughs) They don't have a vintage combine section. What happens when every whim that you ever have yeah. is possible to be responded to? Yeah. When you don't have to wait for anything, there's no like delayed gratification. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe that shifts us into our next question at the end. Ultimately, what are the biggest challenges that you have parenting in this digital moment? Currently, mm-hmm. because my child's still small mm-hmm. and he doesn't have like a ton of access to technology mm-hmm. besides his buddy Google Home. Yeah. But even that, sometimes I'm skeptical because I'm like, oh, I wonder what happens if he doesn't word a question quite right. Is he going to end up with some information that is not oh, appropriate man. to his developmental level? Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so far, as far as I can tell, that hasn't happened yet. So I guess that would be maybe a fear mm-hmm. where all of this access to information is giving him information that he is not quite ready for. Mm-hmm. And then I guess now though, like in this current moment with him being almost four, yeah, just his constant request for screen time for more, yeah, for more, yeah. more screen time, more this where, you know, it's totally mm-hmm. the, what's that saying? If you give them an inch to take a mile. Oh yeah. A common refrain in our house for our oldest is always be hustling. He's like <laughs> always hustling for more of that time for yeah. sure. Technology does allow us to 
meet our needs in a very like instant and immediate way. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's really good and that's really important. And I think for kids that can also be really good and important, mm-hmm. particularly as they get older and like, you know, if, you, if they're ever feeling like alienated or they can't ask that question in a, yeah. in a different way, you know, there is a place to f- not only ask those questions, but also find community. But yeah, I think it's very addicting to get your needs met very immediately. Yeah. It takes away from that skill set where there is something to be said for having to wait for stuff and having the ability to wait, not having everything right away. Because even with all of the access to information and all the technology at our fingertips, there are some times where you will have to wait, but your ability to do so just is non-existent when you very rarely have to. Yeah, absolutely. How do you build that skill, right? If it's not something you ever have to do. Yeah, So that's just, that's something I'm actually chewing on right in this moment. I'm like, I wonder if there's like a purposeful kind of thing that you can be doing to like build that skill. I have heard of this before. This is not an organic idea. I'm borrowing this from somewhere, but like, let's say your son has a question Mm -hmm. instead of like immediately defaulting to like, let's look it up, have a series of questions that you can go back and forth on that like allow for some like critical thinking. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think it might be? Why do you think yes. that? Like, yeah. We do that a lot. Yeah. And our child is now defaulted to, I don't know. I'm not sure. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Like immediately. And so then now we're having to like tease it apart a little bit more mm-hmm. and we're like, okay, so you're not sure, but what would your guess be? Yeah. Make a guess. And so we all, like, we're trying to implement ways of delaying gratification. Mm-hmm. If he asks me to play with him, I'll be like, mm-hmm. I'll play with you in two weeks. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but for like things like say, can we watch a show? And if it's a time where we could, we'll be like, yes. But first, A, B, and C needs to happen. Totally. Yeah. But it's funny because like we're also we're also conditioned by the ability to just put the thing on. Mm-hmm. Because like I even think about that. I'm like, oh, man, I got to read three books. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I think they're just, and like no judgment for folks that aren't doing that right away. Cause I'm always, I'm, I'm not one who's doing that right away all the time either, but. And that won't necessarily work with every kid too. No, totally. And so I guess it's like one of the, one of the things I would say is helpful is to be like paying attention to that level of need for immediate response. Mm-hmm. So like you recognize it in your kids, like, you know, like one big red flag for me with my littlest, when I get to daycare and my kid is before they even say, say hello to me, asking me if they can watch dinos on YouTube. Oh, not that old dinosaur is not the no, I a television wish. show. I wish <laughs> that I'd be like, absolutely. I, of course. Um, RIP Jessica Walter. Yeah, take a poor one out in this moment. Yeah. We digress. You know, we all have our instincts about like, that's a red flag <laughs> and every kid's is going to look a little bit different. But like, that's when we were like, we need to um, detox from that for a little bit. But then it's also maybe it's just like he's been so overstimulated and running around and gets tired. That's like his way of like unwinding when he comes home from daycare. It's tricky, right? Because there's no one answer. I think it was just like, it's not like panic time or like, that's awful. Like we're in a really bad place with this. It's just like, oh, I'm going to pay attention to that. You know, we just did a couple of little things where it was like, you are not allowed to ask that question before you say hello, before you ask these three other questions, yeah, you know, whatever. But it's just like you're trying to implement some sense of like that habit is not working for us. When my child was a newborn and I went to some parenting get together, public health nurse mm-hmm. information session or something. And they're like, you know, do not let your kids have any screen time oh, before I the know, age right? of two. Wasn't like, you know, we yeah. recommend it was like a hard line, like yeah. the world will end if <laughs> yeah. you do this. <laughs> and then, which is also, it, it feels like setting yourself up for failure. A hundred percent. Because like there are screens everywhere. Yeah. And yeah. Like, are you telling me I'm just not supposed to watch television for two years? Yeah. Unless my child's sleeping? Yeah. There were all these things where it felt too much of a hard line. And it also felt chastising. A hundred percent. To have no access to television, there's the place of being in a disadvantaged place where that's not a part of your reality. But then Mm -hmm. it's also a place of privilege to be able to make the the conscious decision that like, oh, you know, we do not, we don't do TV in our household. We do like 
six different classes and we go do mm-hmm. this. And so when you're saying, when you're saying that it's either like calling out people who are in a place of disadvantage or <laughs> celebrating people who are in a place of privilege. A hundred percent. And it's like, it's so tone. It's so, I don't know what the phrase is that I'm looking for, but it's like, you can say tone deaf. I, I think that that works. Is it, is tone deaf ableist? Can we still say tone deaf? Maybe anyway, it's like, that's what I'm kind of getting at though. Like some folks do not have the option of not using that tablet or that TV or whatever as a means of like getting through the day or whatever that has to look like, or even as a learning tool, because not everyone has access to all the classes and all the things. So I guess, oh, I think you mentioned in one in a mini so maybe or something, you guys do family movie nights. Yeah. So we do, we have, we do try to, yeah, do things collectively Um, especially as my oldest child gets older and has access to like personal devices concerned about that isolation and that like, you know, like disappearing into that device. Right. So that, so we're trying to set some like norms around what we do together. Right. My son recently, this is a very big deal, got a Nintendo switch. The whole point of the switch is that you can play it independently, like on a small screen, like a Game Boy or whatever. I don't know. That makes me seem really old. That's my point of reference. <laughs> or you can pop it into the little like console and play it on the collectively, like on the TV. If we're at home, you play it on the TV. You don't play it like huddled in a corner, staring at the tiny screen and you play it in a way that other people can participate. I don't know. It's just a weird world okay. that I've yeah. instated. Yeah. Well, in our home, like my partner plays a lot of like online games and so like now like that's an activity that he and our our child do together that's like a form of bonding Mm -hmm. yeah that's cool yeah I like that I like I mean it's like I'm I'm so keen on like the questions we're gonna ask our community after this episode because I'm like so eager to hear like all the ways that people are finding a way to like make it a family affair Mm -hmm. I'm curious about how like how do you do that with like social media is your kid on any socials yet there's this thing called messenger kids. Many people out there may be familiar. It's essentially like Facebook messenger for, for kids, like Mm -hmm. younger, younger kids, your kid can't really participate without you heavily monitoring. Okay. Their account is attached to your account as a parent. Ah, Got it. Okay. I was pretty hesitant and I had some like concerns, but ultimately it was like that balance, right? Like these kids are like alienated from all of their peers for an extended unforeseen period of time. Yeah. Our family made the choice at that time to allow him to be in that space. They they can video call. They can like play games. They can chat. Yeah. It has like all the features of like any other like messaging service, but it's just like highly monitored and parent executed kind of like they can't okay. friend people randomly they have a secret ah. code the like their friending goes through you so that you're like monitoring who they're actually connecting with okay you can't even find a kid on there randomly you have to have their code okay and, like, so it has to be like somebody you know IRL. Uh, yeah basically yeah you have to be able to like share that code with another person yeah anyway so he he engages in that space which I don't know if that counts. It's not like public social media. It's like I would argue there isn't like the performative aspect of a lot of other social media because it's just like, right, it's there's no news feed. There's no, you know, there's no likes. I'm very concerned about Mm -hmm. the need for outside validation in the way that social media, that's the currency of social media. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. There is a lot of like science and data that sort of supports like when it's appropriate developmentally to expose kids to that like validation vacuum. Mm -hmm. From what I understand, the campaign is wait until eight and that means grade eight. Oh, okay. Well, that's, that's a, well, okay. That's a tricky campaign because (laughs) wait until eight makes it seem like eight years old. Yeah. And like, I think the other part of that campaign is about when a kid should have, or, or when it's like developmentally appropriate to explore a kid having their own device, right? Like a phone or a tablet that's, you know, whatever. Again, right. all of this, I think needs to come with the caveat that like people's life circumstances, like we can say yeah. like this is the ideal and this is what science says, but it's like all of that's very classist too, right? It's like what's yeah. possible for people. Yeah. What works for you if you're a single parent and mm-hmm. you need to leave your child totally at home to mm-hmm. do like whatever homework or hang out or do whatever sure. you need to be able to have access. And a lot of homes like don't have landlines. A hundred percent. And so like, if you don't give some mm-hmm. sort of communication device to your child, then mm-hmm. you have no means of reaching them. They have no means of reaching you if something comes up. 
Totally. That's the thing. And so it's like, I just want to be really careful when we say this is what the data says, or like, this is what like is recommended by like health professionals. Yeah. That like, that's all great. And I'm sure there's true, but then like, how do we equal that playing field? Because like a lot of folks don't actually have those options to like make those choices for themselves. Yeah. Yeah, that validation piece, I think, is really concerning. Like, um, and I think we see it in the spaces that we're, you know, we're thinking about, whether it's TikTok or Instagram or whatever. I think I see I see it because I also live it like mm-hmm. as a person who participates in that space. Are you on TikTok? No, I'm not. But I keep having things come up that the universe is like trying to pull me in there. <laughs> I think there is value in that space, like creative, expressive totally like all that stuff but like I think there's also like lots of problems in that space as well (laughs) I feel like that's the case with every space yeah I mean the only other social media that my kid is like engaging with there's this like animation site called flippinim and you can like make animations and okay share them okay share them with who good question so you have you do have like followers what you put out as an animation isn't private Okay. We made a choice to let him participate in that space because I was like, I feel like this is relatively benign. You know, we monitor pretty heavily and it's scratching an itch that he has right now to like participate in a space like this. Okay. So it's not Instagram. It's not Facebook. It's not TikTok. It's not YouTube. That's the other big one in this demo. Has your kid asked anything like asked to join any of that? Absolutely. I feel like that nine to like 11, 12. And I speak Mm -hmm. from like a place of like, these are kids I used to work with. Mm-hmm. they all want to be YouTube stars for sure. Yeah. Like YouTube is, and now TikTok as well. Like, I guess I'm even like dating my work a little bit because TikTok was not the thing that it is now, like even a year or two ago. Oh, I think my child is too already. Yeah. Like not, not wanting to become a YouTube star, yeah. but just in terms of watching like rocket launches on YouTube or yeah. something. And then he'll go, Hey mom, do you want to watch my video of a rocket launch? And he'll like pretend yeah, to make his own video. Get out. He'll be like, this is my rocket show. And like, yeah. he'll go into the whole thing yeah. where he'll just play out a scene and still like incorporating what he's watched into his pretend play. Yeah. But he's already picked up on like mm-hmm. the the points that you hit that make this a YouTube Like video. and subscribe. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so it's, it's interesting mm-hmm. just how easily they're picking up on these things. And I don't know that he'd be able to talk about mm-hmm. it, but he's showing it in his play. That's fascinating. So he's playing YouTube. Yes. Wow. It's interesting. Yeah. Especially because I feel like he doesn't watch that much YouTube, mm-hmm. but you don't know what's going to stick. You don't know what they're retaining or why they're retaining it or how. Yeah. It's just like, you know, some kids can watch something once and it'll stick with them. Some can watch it 10 times and it makes no lasting impression. I think about that part all the time around like, okay, what is like the sweet spot of like just enough that it doesn't feel like this like forbidden fruit like, yeah, like, you know, like yeah. it's like kids in our dem- our era that grew up like not having access to TV, let's say. Yes. Like I knew tons of a couple, at least a couple of kids who like didn't have a TV or they like mm-hmm. weren't allowed to watch TV. Mm-hmm. And that forbidden fruit of TV, it was like they come to my house and be like, let's watch TV. <laughs> right. So there was like a there was like a compulsion to like just like it feels like it's off limits. It's forbidden. Like that's all I want to do now that I'm, I know I'm not supposed to. Mm-hmm. So what is that like happy medium where it's like you give just enough that it's, it doesn't feel like that. Yeah. But it's not too much. I don't know. Yeah. I don't have an answer. I don't have an answer either. And I think it just depends on the kid too. Right. Mm-hmm. For sure. Because you never know how much they're going to react to it. How like some kids don't care. Yeah. And some kids just, you know, would rather be, outside playing in the dirt mm-hmm. or like riding a bike down the street or I don't know I, I might just be describing scenes from the movie now and then yeah. <laughs> sugar do, 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 do. Devin Sawa yeah Devin Sawa. Uh, Devin Sawa what a guy I did a I recently did a google deep dive on Devin I was Sawa gonna say I feel like I very recently looked up Devin Sawa as well you know who's got to be on cameo D Sawa Thomas yeah oh. <laughs> we're talking about Devin Sawa it's obviously Devin Sawa <laughs> Same era. I feel like because I Rider like. Wrap- 
<laughs> oh my god what did Ryder strong ever do besides boy meets world he does that one movie cabin fever no I, I don't know but i definitely know exactly what i'm doing once we're done with this yeah and like can you as we're like i don't know how much technology is too much i'm like hold on a sec let I me know. just quickly imdb let's Ryder strong. derail this entire episode <laughs> so that we can get on the old imdb and as an adult and obviously our brains have developed differently mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. but not i don't know if it's like because we didn't have access to this information so readily mm-hmm. now like I also find it really tempting that like whatever comes to mind I'm like oh I need to look this up I think mm-hmm. I messaged you one night and I was like okay now that I'm done looking up the original cast of CSI's net worth <laughs> time for me to go to bed <laughs> yeah right like I mean this is like the big concern too is that these things are evolving and developing in a in a at a rate and a pace that like outpaces our mentorship ability yes that's like, scary to me too yeah you know we are we are also being compelled by these same things at the same time as our kids are like learning about them and in fact like their understanding often outpaces ours yes because of the way that like it is like fundamental to their social culture in a way that it's not for us in this in the same way right yeah so that's always been like the concern and the gap right it's like all other skills and other parts of development we're able to mentor and sort of like mm-hmm. provide a appropriate level of guidance but it's in this space we can't keep up no and we're not meant to yeah yeah exactly like it's intentionally exclusionary of us yeah like we're not supposed to be experts in those spaces because they're not for us yes with other things like that kids and youth go through you know we can like speak to our own experiences Mm -hmm. this is a area where we simply can't do that yeah, so I think we're the last generation that didn't grow up with the internet. What do you think that would have been like? How would your life have changed having social media as a kid? That's a brilliant question. So I feel like at the very tail end of my high school experience, some instant messaging yeah. opportunities were or like, like MSN Messenger. Exactly. Or like, do you remember ICQ? Or ICQ. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I was obsessive about them. Mm-hmm. They're designed for my brain in that developmental moment and like the social uh, anxieties and hunger that a kid of that age has to like be compelling and be addictive and like keep you connected. And like for anyone that has like any sense of FOMO, which I have strong FOMO still, (laughs) it feels like a space that you can't look away from. Even, Mm -hmm. even that very like primitive early social media. Yeah. um, It would not have been good for me. I don't think. (laughs) <laughs> you got a little verklempt there. Yeah. Oof. No, I it, honestly, like, I think about it all the time. So I'm like, I wonder the way in which this would have impacted me as a young person. I feel that kids that are growing up in this social media moment, like we, you mentioned, we were joking around about his brand, your kid's brand. I do feel like they all feel like they need to be little brand managers. Oh, for sure. And I'm like, and content creators. Yeah. And like, that's wildly stressful. Mm hmm. So I think like I would have been very addicted to it. What about you? I I think I would have succumbed to the pressure to be on it. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would have enjoyed it. No. Now I've finally like hit a point where I kind of have come to things at my own terms mm-hmm. because I'm a, a fairly private person. So I like mm-hmm. to pick and choose what I share. Yeah. And it's, but it's very easy to like suddenly be like, oh, I should share this. I should share that. Oh, I just took this great picture. I should put this up. Even though that's not what I want to do Mm -hmm. I find myself falling into that idea Mm -hmm. and then having to remind myself and be like okay but yeah is this actually what you want to do or is this just like you've been scrolling for like five minutes too long and you're like yeah yeah I could do that I could totally do that yeah yeah imagine like now you have a less developed frontal lobe and like you're more um compelled by like the behavior of your peers which we already are as adults yeah, but it's just we're not with our peers to the same extent as you are then. Like your peers are your world They're when everything. you're young because you're you're with them like from the second you leave your house to the second you come home. And I, I kids in the last handful of years, I have expressed to me in my work, there's a lot of stress around like response time and like being mm-hmm. available. This this like um culture of being permanently and 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 indefinitely available. Yes. Put that into my concern column. Yeah having kids express like deep stress about um, what what unsaid messages are implied if you don't respond quickly enough, if you're not available, if you don't comment, if you don't like participate. 
And if you can see that someone's read your message, but they're not responding. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have a little bit of that even in my like fully grown brain, like as an adult where I'm like, Ooh, don't open that because then they'll see I read it. Like, but that's mm-hmm. like, yeah, yeah. There's like a whole underwritten cu- culture of norms that like we don't even realize are there, but are there and are dictating like the social dynamic mm-hmm. in a way that sounds very stressful. <laughs> yes, I think it would have it would have wrecked me, to be quite honest. Yes, I like I didn't know what the word for it was at the time, but I know now like I suffered from social anxiety mm-hmm. and I still do. Mm-hmm. And so I think just that pressure at that age. And at that point when I was still getting to know myself Mm -hmm. and getting to be comfortable in my own skin, I think it would have wrecked me because I would have gone too far too fast. Mm -hmm. And it just, I don't think I would have enjoyed it. I for sure would have been like, Oh no, they read this message and now they haven't written back Mm -hmm. or, okay, well, all these people just went to this place and I can see pictures of it, but I didn't get to go Mm -hmm. or, you know, just there's so much to it, but it's hard. Mm -hmm. I imagine it's very hard to be a kid today. And I know Mm -hmm. every generation says that, and it is hard for every generation, but it's hard in a very specific, different way that nobody could have seen coming. No. And that nobody can relate to. And we're talking about just like peer stuff. Like then when I throw the layer of like intimacy and mm-hmm. dating and, um, you know, like that part of the puzzle. Yeah. Now we can't, we've just kicked up the stress a whole other notch. Yeah. We've also introduced like all, all kinds of new tools for like unhealthy dynamics. Yes. First, I will, again, I want to acknowledge the, the opportunity for some kids. It's like the space where they are able to find that kind of connection, whether if mm-hmm. I'm thinking about like queer kids in a tiny rural town who like don't have yeah. that sense of like belonging or ability to like date. Mm-hmm. So that that's important. And that's a real opportunity. But like, yeah, there are a lot of new nuances and yeah. challenging dynamics that come with this stuff in exploring intimacy, exploring relationships. When I think about myself as a teenager, and if this was like a part of my life, I think that would have been really, really hard and like really um, risky for me. Yeah. But then on the flip, yeah, would I have maybe found my voice faster? Maybe. Would I maybe have learned a little bit more about like intersectionality and being an ally because there are voices out there who I wouldn't have had access to teaching me these awesome concepts and like learning more about other groups of people. And maybe I would have felt more like I belonged because Mm -hmm. I would be able to find that space where there were other people who looked like me when I didn't have that in my day-to-day life. I think that could have been huge. Yeah. There is nuance, right? In that. Yeah. There's a lot of nuance. I used to tell this story with kids that I would work with. Will we be talking about something like sexting, let's say, or like um, Mm -hmm. sending intimate images or like experimenting with intimacy through digital platforms? First of all, I want to say that that's not like, I think we get very triggered by that and we're very concerned about it. And it like, it's a big red flag for us adults. But the reality is, is that like developmentally from like a psychosexual development perspective, it's actually like very normal behavior to like Mm -hmm. want to experiment in that way. Mm-hmm. So I, I like to say that on the outset, it's not deviant to like mm-hmm. be inclined to practice intimacy in that way or experiment. And it makes sense in a lot of ways because it feels safe because you're not touching anyone. You're not physically like yeah. connecting. So yeah. there is some safety in that. However, obviously when it goes wrong, the consequences are, could be catastrophic. Absolutely. And this is like a whole other like episode around dig- digital intimacy and consent, right? Like that's a whole other, yeah. um, and that was, and mental health. Absolutely. Um, but one of the things I, I, I was like, used to share was that when I was like 13, I went on a school trip and we were being silly one night and we started like mooning the camera, like taking pictures mm-hmm. of, of like butts. Yeah, we go back to school the next week and everybody brings their pictures. And I was sick the day that we all went back. Okay. And I, my friend calls me panicked phone call and was like the butt pictures. Somebody didn't take out of the like picture pack. And so, but not all the butt pictures, just my butt and my friend's butt. (laughs) Interesting. At 13, that was horrific. Of course. Like a horrific piece of information, like most mortifying awfulest violation but Mm -hmm. my friend who was 
like taller and stronger than most of the other kids at the time was able to like wrangle that photo back and destroy it. Yeah. And then that's it. And that was it. And that sucked. And we were embarrassed and it like kind of burned for like a little bit. And then we moved on and it was like, yeah, because it only lives like in people's memories. Oh, like yeah, absolutely. there's no physical evidence of it. There's no way to, for it to just keep cropping up when you least expect it. Yeah. And so then I would share that. And I'd say what sucks is that you have to be so much better than like we ever had to be. Like yes. we did all the yes. same nonsense. We did yeah. all the same things, but yeah. our mediums were ones that were not infinitely reproducible. Yeah. A whole different kind of trauma. Mm -hmm. It's so unfair because we're actually asking you to be like more highly evolved from like a brain Mm -hmm. science perspective Mm -hmm. than we, we ever had to be. We're asking you to have a frontal lobe part of your brain that makes cause and effect decisions that operates at a level that it's not intended to right now. Yeah. And that it's not able to, not able to, not only is it unintended, like we're asking you to do something that you can't do. I wonder if in like a generation from now, we actually see like an evolutionary thing where like frontal lobes actually develop more quickly because like we're demanding that of that organ um, Mm -hmm. due to like the impacts of like not being able to make decisions in a particular way. We've set you up in a real conundrum because we're at we've given you these things and we've like created these spaces. And then we've said and then we're going to chastise you for your behavior. Yes. Yes. We're going to, we're going to demonize you for making those choices. We're going to shame you and we're going to like feel real bad. Yep. We're going to isolate you. Mm -hmm. Yep. We're going to make it so that you can't talk about this. You can't address it. And God forbid, if you find a way to be okay with it and to take back the power and own it, then we're going to demonize you even more. Yeah, And that's such an important point. I've noticed the trend is that like, it's young women that end up being demonized for their use in these spaces and their decisions. Of course. In these spaces. We've probably gone far away from the question, but I think as both having been young women, I do not envy the moment that kids are living in right now in that regard. No. And the potential, if you're queer, to be outed before you're ready Mm -hmm. to have anything that's personal that you have not decided to share, to have it be shared for you. Yeah, absolutely. Whether that is that information or your body or like your home life, like really anything. Totally. We're back to that consent culture stuff too, right? It's like, yeah. The two are heavily related. Absolutely. I think there's something to be said for teaching both consent and like digital awareness. Mm -hmm. Totally. Like what's it? So this whole time I've had this brutal in sync song running (laughs) through my head called digital get down. Don't know that one. Let's hear it. Uh, Don't worry about it. You don't need to know it, but it's about exchanging photos. Mm -hmm. Picks, 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 picks. (laughs) Speaking of picks, let's talk about posting pics of our kids. online. Yeah, let's do it. Because this is somewhat thing that we differ with. Yeah, totally. So tell me, what do you do about posting pictures with your children online? I, I want to like start by saying I don't know that I'm right. In hindsight, I can't say that I would do everything exactly the same. I had my first child right as Instagram was like coming on the scene as a medium and was like not mm-hmm. a well-known medium. I feel like my my perspective early in parenthood was like all my all my mediums are hyper private. Like I'm not even searchable. Anyone that I'm connected to in these spaces is like somebody I know. And for that reason, I was at that time comfortable sharing like pictures of my kid because I felt that like the space for me was like private and private. Um, and like the folks that were engaging in that space with me were people that I wanted to share those images with. Mm -hmm. And it was laziness. It was like, I can send an email to 10 different people or I can post this picture and people get their fill. Like it was like taking a certain amount of labor out of the equation. Mm -hmm. So those were sort of like my initial driving factors. When I'm talking about this as a me thing, it kind of just was like, because my partner Mm -hmm. does not participate in those spaces. He very rarely shows up on social media. Like he does not like his image out there. He was like okay with me sharing pictures of our kids um but definitely we had it we were both in agreement about the kinds of pictures also that would be in those spaces so obviously like you know like appropriate and like not intimate and you know all that stuff Mm -hmm. appropriate is also an interesting word right because that's a very um subjective totally subjective Yeah. yeah absolutely and there's even been times where i've posted something that i felt was totally fine and my partner's been like take that down and then do you absolutely If I went back, seeing where all this goes, 
mm-hmm. I don't, I can't say that I would make the same choice. So how come you still make that choice then? I feel like, cause the cat's out of the bag and it's a habit and it's one that I'm continually contemplating if it's the right choice. Okay. It continues to be like a photo journal of our life. Mm-hmm. That's heavily private and like guarded. I like the creative aspect of being able to make creative decisions around photos and like edit them, um, you know, all that stuff. Like I like that outlet. Yeah, I, I, I have to I have to be critical about like the size of my account, though. Like I have to always be thinking about like who is here. Oh, I see. Yeah, I do not have anybody following that I don't know. Okay. So that does govern like what I'm comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And again, it's laziness. It's like, this is the easiest way for like, for me to like share what's going on far and wide. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I'm constantly grappling with it and I don't know that I'm doing the right thing. And now we'd love to do our gaining momentum shout out. This week, I would like to shout out my brother. Nice. Yeah, my brother has been doing some pretty sweet pandemic parenting. Great. During the course of the pandemic, my brother has uncoupled from his spouse. And so he is now a single parent, and which is hard at any time Mm -hmm. during pandemic. I would imagine a little bit harder. Mm -hmm. And he lives away from his family members. Mm-hmm. So he really is going it alone. So I want to shout him out for just continuing to focus on being positive and keeping my nephew healthy and happy and on a healthy developmental trajectory. But mm-hmm. I also want to shout out the fact that during the pandemic, not only is my brother single parenting, mm-hmm. but he also has gotten a business up and running. Wow. That's amazing. He's managed to turn his side hustle into his full-time regular gig. So now he has found his passion project and he is open a soccer training business that is not only just getting off the ground, but it's thriving now. So I'm really proud of him. That's incredible. I'm proud of him too. Thanks for shouting him out. talk about your perspective because it differs from mine. Yes. You have been always been much more active just personally mm-hmm. on social media than I have anyway. So like yeah. I don't come from a, like a high comfort level with being on social media yeah. with my personal life. Yeah. I was on Facebook. I feel like, I don't know I probably, there was like a heyday where I probably posted a bunch. Mm-hmm. And then I think maybe like the last post I posted like the day that my child was born, mm-hmm. I did like a hospital pick. And then I think like that was the last post I ever did. And then I was just like, I don't know why I still have a Facebook account. So I'm out. Yeah. And then I, I almost joined Instagram mm-hmm. when I was in Brazil for world cup. Yeah. Cause I was like, Oh, these are some killer photos. I would yeah. love to share these with people. Yeah. And then I just was like, well, I can. Yeah. I just don't like, it just doesn't have to be randos. Yeah, totally. But then when we decided to do the podcast, we had like a lot of conversations about our Instagram account and I was trying to grappling with whether or not to create a personal Instagram. Mm -hmm. And I think I've just sort of started to find my comfort level with it. Totally. And realizing that like, I don't have to give or share anything that I don't want to. Absolutely. So my personal Instagram account is mostly just for my writing Mm -hmm. and just sort of like, poetic musings and things. And so I don't post personal pictures on there. Yeah. I don't have a space in which I would post personal pictures, Mm -hmm. but I do. It's interesting. Cause like, I don't share pictures of my child on socials, Mm -hmm. but I widely share pictures of my child, like Mm -hmm. in group chats and family chats and I'll like send you something funny Mm -hmm. where if my kid's having a meltdown and lying on the ground, I'll be like, (laughs) well, here we go. Start the video. (laughs) My partner and I had discussed it. Mm -hmm. Um, Cause he's more, he's more active on social media than I am mm-hmm. on some, some social media accounts and he some social media spaces. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of had discussed it and he felt really strongly about not posting pictures of our child. And I was like, I don't post pictures period. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I'm yeah. happy to go on with that. <laughs> and sort of like, he felt he wanted to wait until our child was old enough to make yeah. a decision. Yeah. And so that's kind of where we landed. Yeah. I think that's totally valid. Yeah. And that's the piece I grapple with is around consent. Now we've gotten to a place where I, I don't post anything without my kid's consent. Like it's a little trickier for my youngest. Cause he's like 
doesn't really care or understand or know. But like that was a real reckoning a number of years back where it was like he saw something I feel like that had been put that I thought was like benign and like no big deal. And he was like, I don't like that. Like it didn't make him feel good mm-hmm. for whatever reason. I can't even remember a few years back. So you say like when he was like six ish, I think even probably earlier, like school, like early school age, like, Mm -hmm. and from that moment forward, we have a consent agreement around whatever gets posted. I, if I'm going to post a photo of him, I will show him. I'll ask him if he likes it. I'll ask him if he wants me to, but then there's even like a bit of a slippery slope with that because now he'll be like, did anyone like that picture? Oh, interesting. So yeah. then that gets into the piece about validation. Um, yeah, validation. Yep. So, I mean, in some ways now I'm looking at it as like, this is a space for modeling. And that's the thing that's tricky, right? Because it's, it's here. Yeah. It's the social media yeah. and like, you know, being online, living in online life doesn't appear to be going anywhere. So then instead, like, instead of sitting in it and ruining the fact that this is where we're at, how do we equip our kids for it? And then that's tricky because as we said, like, we're not meant to keep up with the pace that things are moving at. These spaces aren't for Mm -hmm. us. So then how do we learn about these spaces? How do we engage with these spaces to be able to teach our our children awareness Mm -hmm. and privacy uh, as needed and safety Mm -hmm. and consent? And like, how do we bring these lessons into the fold? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I do think that like, traditional learning spaces are starting to do a better job of like doing some of that learning like digital citizenship is becoming like a core component of learning at like in like a school environment but for me it is it I guess like I guess the way that I'm choosing to do some of that is through modeling even like I'm that's even partly why I'm contemplating like engaging with TikTok because I'm like my kid is interested I want to be the one who like is the tour guide for that space my child is like five and a half years younger than your oldest, totally. same age as your yeah. youngest. And so like, do I just try to keep up now so that I like don't get rusty? Is, is it a skill that I need to like keep sharp so that whatever the year 2030 TikTok version is, <laughs> that I'm able to keep up enough to yeah. talk to my child about it and sort of learn what he or she, because I don't know what's going to go on in 10 yeah, years from now, totes. but like who, what are, what my child is doing in these spaces mm-hmm. and making sure that they feel safe and, mm-hmm. and able to engage in a way that's comfortable for them. Yeah. Because I think there's a difference between like kind of knowing what a medium is and how people use it. Mm-hmm. And then really understanding like the culture of that medium. Yes. How do you understand the nuances of like a culture of a medium if you're not participating in it? I don't know. Can you, yeah. maybe you can, I'm not saying you can't, but I, I feel like I don't understand a medium until I'm in it and I'm seeing like, oh, this is a trend. This is a thing, like particularly mm-hmm. with something like TikTok and I'm not on t- TikTok right now. So this is why I'm like mm-hmm. toying with it because it had like like any other landscape, like it has its own codes. It has its own languages. It has its own angels and devils, too. Right. Like, yeah, it's an amazing space for activism on one hand. And mm-hmm. on the other hand, it's a horrific space for bullying behavior. Mm-hmm. And then you also have it for, for content creators who like Lil Nas X and like Olivia Rodrigo, mm-hmm. who are using it to hype themselves up and become like huge mainstream stars. So it's sort of, I guess, an ability like you can be a TikTok star, mm-hmm. but then you can also use it to cross over into the mainstream. Yeah. So then what responsibility do we put on creators mm-hmm. and what responsibility do we put on us as parents to make sure that our children are engaging with things that are appropriate for them? That's a huge question. I think it depends on what kind of creator you are. If you're a creator who knows you have a massive tween audience and that's like where you make your money, mm-hmm. then you have a responsibility to not put those kids at risk. Right. I would argue like that's unethical. You're making money off their backs. Example that comes to mind is this YouTuber that many people may know of named PewDiePie, who was like one of the like, you know, first YouTubers to hit like millions of followers or whatever. I don't I don't mm-hmm. remember. I mostly learned about this through the podcast um, Rabbit Hole, which I can't recommend enough. That is a content creator who did Minecraft videos to start. So that creator oh. knows that his demographic are kids that are my kids age Mm -hmm. that are following him. So when he thinks he's being funny and he puts out a satirical Nazi video, which is something that happened. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, because he's joking and being edgy in his um, comedic approach, Mm -hmm. that's irresponsible. 
you're a, you are enough of an adult and you are making a living off of young kids, like kids that are following you. Mm-hmm. That pisses me off. Mm-hmm. Like that is, that is an ethical problem for me. And I think that that person needs to be accountable for that. When I think about content being created by someone like little Nas X, little Nas X has never been like this content's for kids. Mm-hmm. Their core audience is never intentionally a, a kid demographic. Yeah. He's never been like explicitly like, I am aiming for the 10 to 13 year old demo. Absolutely. And like Lil Nas X's content would suggest that like that is the case because the content is intimate. It's explicit. At some point, I'd love to like walk through that with my own kids to be like, this is an interesting thing that this person is doing. Here's why they're doing it. Mm -hmm. Although I guess Old Town Road was for everyone. That's true. Yeah. And that was what that's broke true. into the mainstream consciousness. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair point. But then it's like when you get, say, like Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion doing yes. like a WAP. Mm-hmm. Like, come on, people don't like I think at that point it's up to the parents or the guardians, like whoever is watching and mindful of what are what they're a certain child is consuming to be aware totally. That like, you know what, if you don't want your kids to be exposed to certain things, like this would be one of them because like, these aren't people who create children's children's content. Yeah. What didn't Cardi B take a bunch of heat? Cause like there was a video where culture, her daughter Mm -hmm. was like hearing WAP and like, she rushed to turn it off and everyone was like, you're going to like let my kid listen to that but yeah like, she's Cardi like B I, isn't saying yeah I'm not letting your kid listen to this like I'm not your kid's parent I'm not your kid's guardian yeah. I don't make kids content <laughs> like that is not my brand that is not my demographic like and in that case like I'm like no that con that creator has no responsibility for like a kid uh accessing that content it's an interesting debate. Like I think for instance, I've talked about how we do like DJ dinners or sometimes we listen yeah. to podcasts at dinner. And so like, yeah, there's a lot of content. I listen to a lot of podcasts, but I don't listen to all podcasts around my child. So like there are certain yep. ones that we will listen to at dinner time as a family or on car mm-hmm. trips. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes we will put on like an episode of the daily and then we're just prepared mm-hmm. going in. Like we'll read the synopsis and we're like, okay, we're prepared mm-hmm. that we need, we're going to have to talk to our kid about some of the yeah. content that he's going to hear. Like this will involve further conversation beyond just sitting down and listening to a podcast. And I think mm-hmm. that's okay too, because we're totally. his caregivers, we're his parents, we're mm-hmm. the ones responsible for his upbringing. So if that's the choice mm-hmm. that we've made, not everyone's going to make that choice, but yeah. it's what we do. Yeah, totally. Speaking of the fact that you're his caregivers and you're primarily responsible for making those decisions mm-hmm. about what a, his visibility is going to be online mm-hmm. and all those other pieces or like what he's going to engage with in certain ways. Have you ever had an instance where somebody does something that's outside of your comfort zone? Oh, as for it sure. Pertains to tech? Like we've definitely had to ask people to take down pictures of our kid mm-hmm. yeah. that they've posted when we've been like at some whatever some yeah. event or something. I'm like, what are those words yeah. for when you see other people? <laughs> <laughs> How is that for you? Are you getting comfortable doing that? Yeah, it's fine. So it's normally people like it's not strangers. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe it's strangers and we just don't know because we wouldn't have I access to seeing their stuff. Yeah. Ooh. But uh, yeah, it's like it's easy enough because, mm-hmm. you know, we don't do it. And so it's sort of yeah. easy to be like, we don't post pictures of our kids. So it doesn't make sense for somebody else to be posting pictures of our kids, of our kids. Yep. The trickier stuff for me isn't like posting pictures, but it's just about mm-hmm. like screen, like screen time or like content that our child views yep. with other people. Cause yeah, you know, we have grandparents as caregivers or like siblings yep. or whoever, other people watching our child. Yep. And then sometimes he'll come home and be like, Oh, blah, blah, blah. And I'll be like, huh. Where did you pick that up from? (laughs) And so then that's sort of depending on who it is and what the circumstances are. That's another conversation that we need to have. There's also a level of trust involved, right? So Mm -hmm. like if I'm sending my kid to somebody who is not me, I have a certain Mm -hmm. level of like I need to be able to trust what he'll see, but also like to be prepared for the fact that I can't control everything that he's going to see outside of my direct care and so I think 
it maybe just is like a conversation. If something comes up that we're like, oh, that was, I don't know about that. Like it's more having a conversation with our kid to be like, okay, yeah. so like this is something that we don't usually do in our house for the following reasons, but yep. other people have different rules. And so like you Absolutely. might encounter this when you are in such a place. Cause I think it's also tricky. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm asking somebody to do me a favor and like babysit my child, yeah. I mean, like you're doing I mean, me a favor. I don't get to dictate the terms of that favor of like how you perform that favor. Yeah, I see that. I think there are people that would argue with you that you do in some ways, but like I he- I totally hear what you're saying. I feel the same way. Like if I'm asking for help. Yeah, there's very few things that I could be like, don't do this. Like, yeah, like I we when he was when our kid was a baby, mm-hmm. like that was definitely more strict. Yeah. Yeah. It's tricky, though, because like in, and in our world, it's been like that. But it's also been like people are lovely and generous mm-hmm. and caring mm-hmm. and wonderful. And they will buy things for our kids that we would never buy them. Mm-hmm. The Echo Dot is a great example. Shout out to mom and dad. for that. <laughs> and, you know, in a lot of ways, it's been great. And it's like not something I ever would have brought into his space. And we are very intentional with how it's regulated. But like we could have been like, we can't accept this. Mm -hmm. And we didn't. Mm -hmm. So it's always just like that dance. It's like you don't want to be rude. And it was generous. And it was like, you know, he he was over the moon that he got this thing for his you know for his own use by the way over the moon great netflix movie if you haven't watched that yet and remember representation matters so if you are looking for some content with some asian protagonists there's there's an option oh amazing yeah that's a great option Mm -hmm. but yeah i don't know it's all very tricky it's all very sticky i don't you know there aren't like answers often that are black and white and concrete and i think that you nailed it when it's like we're just like all needing to like navigate this together Mm-hmm. and have the conversation. I mean, one of the things we've also done has been like, we have very clear expectations around if and when you see something that doesn't feel good and bothers you, you're not going to be in trouble. It's really important mm-hmm. that you talk to us about that though. But we're really trying to like keep that discussion space a very safe space so that like, I don't feel like abstinence from the medium or like not learning how to use it is the answer. So the answer in my mind is like learning how to do it safely, keeping the door open, learning how to talk about it. Yes. Me continuing to learn how to be there and learn it and understand what its pros and cons are. So that's kind of where we've landed. I mean, I know I'm talking a lot more about my older child in this discussion because like that's it becomes a more complex landscape as your kids get older. And I think it's just, it's an open-ended conversation. I think we're going to be revisiting yep. it and hopefully our gaining momentum community will join us in revisiting it because it's a big conversation and we can't do it by ourselves. Not at all. Let's keep it up. See you on TikTok. Bye. And now let's pause for momentum obsolete knowledge. Hey Google, am I being replaced by you Siri and Alexa? Sometimes I look at my kid and wonder, is my knowledge obsolete? I asked for for a reprieve from his constant why, but now I wonder why. What's helping? What's hurting? Is there even a difference? Knowledge is power, but what if it's powered by Netflix, Prime, Disney Plus? One of those will help me zone out. Or am I trying to tune in? I crave, but there is too much. More choices, less attention. Tapped out, vegging out. The more we know, the more there is to do. I don't know. Is temporary. It can easily be undone. We can find an answer to every one of his questions. But how much is being retained? Will this drive us all insane? Turning it off, picking up a book, a dinosaur of a bygone era. Are throwbacks just a way of refusing to move on or holding on to moments worth keeping up to date? TikTok, time marches on. Parenting changes in an Insta. What's happening with our kids? The future is now. So FaceTime, stay connected. You have 280 characters to figure out your stance, but there's only one you. Keep up if you can. We acknowledge that Gaining Momentum is recorded, produced, and edited on the unceded territory of the Selic Okanagan people and the Coast Salish peoples, including the territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and tsleil nations. Gaining Momentum. Hosted by Megan and Abby. With artwork by Catherine Catcher. Music by Evan Dysart. Please check our show notes with each episode for more information on Catherine and Evan, plus how you can stay in touch with us through email, Instagram, and Facebook. We look forward to hearing from you.